chapter number one, Proverbs chapter number one. I think everybody, just about everybody here knows that as soon as the Awana year is over, right after Memorial Day, we're going to start a verse-by-verse study of the book, and uh, we might have some breaks before we get through it. I don't know. We'll just see how that goes, but until then, some folks wanted to get started, and so I, I said what what we will do is to uh, study some of the characters that we're introduced to here uh, in the book of Proverbs, uh, some, maybe some topical messages, and then I narrowed that down to some of the people. You know, in teaching the topical lessons from Proverbs, we would start where I did with the first message entitled, A Glimpse of God, because that's where everything needs to start with consideration of God, and uh, and that's where we started. And normally I would move on, if we're going topic by topic, and speak about the matter of knowledge and wisdom. That's what the book is all about, the fact that wisdom comes from God and we need what He's got. But we're looking at the people in the Bible, and... Uh, in consideration of the people of the Bible, I don't know any better place to start than to start with what the Bible describes as the simple man. The simple man, simple person, young man. And uh, a lot of folks, you know, the sad thing is they make a profession of faith and they end where they begin. They don't ever grow from there. Everything just stays right there. And the Bible tells us that we're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we, and, and that's the way it ought to be throughout our, the entirety of our Christian life. And, and if we don't, and I've said many times, the best definition I know of for backsliding is this, because when we think about being backslidden, we've all got this long laundry list of things. Well, if you do this or you do that, you must be backslidden with the best definition I know and that I've used over the years is when you stop growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ because if you're not making progress, if you're not going ahead, you're going backwards in your Christian life. And so we're starting here with the simple man, as it were, and uh, considering what the Bible says about him. Look at verse number 1, and then we'll read verse number 4. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And then verse number four, to give subtility to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. When we think about all of the characters, and I'll mention some toward the close of the lesson tonight that we'll be thinking about, but whenever we think about all of these different characters that are mentioned in Proverbs, it's kind of hard to know where do you start. Some might be interested in a particular person that's described here, and others might be interested in another person. But I don't know of a better place to start than right here with the simple man. And there are three things tonight I want to give you as quickly as I can, three things that the Bible talks about concerning the simple man. The definition, and then we're going to talk about the description and the danger. The definition, the description, and the danger. One of my, I, I, I guess it's okay to have a, you know, favorite secular songs. I remember years ago when I 
first started preaching, and uh, Angie's here, and all of my kids could tell you there was no music whatsoever unless it was Christian music. I mean, nothing. No country. I got saved out of the honky-tonks and bars and, and absolutely no country. But, but I outlawed everything. I thought Chicago was horrible, terrible. I, I can remember one of the kids come home one day and they had a, a record, a tape or something of Chicago, and I destroyed that thing. I, I wouldn't let them listen to any of it. Finally, one day I got to realize, well, you know, we have a wedding and we play all of these beautiful love songs at weddings, you know. And uh, so maybe there is a place for the, the proper kind of music. So what I'm trying to do is justify my carnality now. Uh, uh, but one of, my, one of my favorite songs was a song called Simple Man. And uh, I wouldn't recommend you ever listen to the group. I won't even mention their name. But uh, that, was the, that was the title of the song. And uh, I always like that song. Well, when we, when we come to the book of Proverbs and it talks about the, the simple man, it's talking about something entirely different than that. Because the word simple is used here, if you go back and look at the Hebrew word, it's talking about those who are basically young and inexperienced. And I think inexperienced is to be preferred over the word young, but... Uh, but certainly, certainly somebody that we think of, they're young, they're inexperienced, you know, they, uh, so far they haven't been, uh, uh, haven't been taught, they just don't know. And people like that are exposed to great danger, and we'll talk about that in just a little while. We've often heard people say, you know, experience is the best teacher. <laughs> uh, yeah, but let me tell you what, uh, you can sure get hurt that way. You can sure get hurt. And the fact of the matter is we don't have to learn everything from experience. Some people think they've got to experience everything. Some kids justify leaving home, you know, well, I just got to experience life. You know, I, I, I've got to try my wings. I, I, I've got to be out on my own and what have you. And, and to be a whole lot better if we would learn from the Word of God and if we would learn from the successes and the failures of other people instead of depending upon experience. And, uh, and here we find Solomon speaking, as it were, you'll see later on, speaking to his son and pleading with him uh, concerning the manner in which he lives and trying to convince him that it is essential for success that he gain knowledge and wisdom, and we'll talk about both of those things at a later date. But this is what Solomon is trying to accomplish. And uh, you, you, there's an old saying that says, "Too soon, oh, and too late, smart, but never too late to learn." Anybody else ever heard that? Well, that's an old saying that I, I don't know where it originated from, but but that's true. And, and and, and we need to keep that in mind, regardless of how old we are, regardless of what we've thought or what we've been taught. Uh, it's never too late for us to learn. And if the Proverbs doesn't teach us anything else, it makes us clearly aware of the fact that we are in need of being taught. Uh, anytime we get to that point in our life, you know, we think, well, you know, I've been saved 25, 30 years. I'm well grounded in the Bible. 
I had a man one time tell me, and, uh, and th- th- this fellow, you couldn't get him to do anything. And I'll never forget that day he looked at me, square in the eyes, just sincere as he could be. And he said, I'll tell you what, brother. He said, I'm, I'm pretty deep in the Scriptures. And I just felt like slapping him because he was, as far as being of any use to the Lord's work, he was, he was useless. He wouldn't do anything but complain. Uh, and, and let me tell you, you're not deep in the Scriptures whenever that's your manner of life. And so there's always room for us to be taught. And by nature, there's not one of us prepared to live as we should. So we need to be instructed, we need to be taught, we need to be counseled, we need to, we need to be warned. And so this is the kind of person that we're talking about by definition. But not only that, we see that the Bible gives us some describing factors related uh, to the simple man. And there's two things, a lot of things we could mention, but I've tried to narrow it down for time's sake to two things that describes the simple man. First of all, he's gullible. Look in chapter number 14, Proverbs chapter number 14, and verse number 15. It says, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. Now, I said in the beginning when we think about a simple person and A lot of people confuse that with somebody that's simple-minded, and that's not what we're talking about at all. You know, we often try to describe somebody saying, well, they're just simple-minded. That's not the kind of person we're talking about here in the Bible. We're talking about a person that's young and inexperienced. And when you think about little children, from the very beginning we try to teach little children to what? To trust their parents. Just about every daddy has taken, you know, the child and put the child up on the table, you know, and said, come on, come to daddy, jump, you know, and you, you, you want your children to trust you. And that's okay because you have their best interest at heart. The problem arises whenever, whenever someone else comes on the scene and they put their trust in them and they have no concern for their welfare. Uh, that's a danger for every young person because there are many voices clamoring for their attention. And we could think about a lot of examples. Th- think about a high school student, for example. I know one of our, one of our teenage girls here is in the process of getting her driver's license. That's, that's always an exciting time for kids. You get your driver's license and you, you get your first car. And I want to tell you what, uh, mom and dad need to take great care with that because a good used car salesman can really hoodwink them and sell them a piece of junk. You know, uh, they, know they, they, they know how to do it. I mean, they're, they're gullible. They'll believe, you know, little, yeah, a little old lady just drove it to church and back, you know, and, and the thing's got 300,000 miles on it and using oil and everything else. And so that's just one example. But... The worst thing in all of this, especially in the day and age that we live in, has to do with the false teaching that's going around. Uh, someone asked me just a minute ago about a certain singer, and uh, I want to know if I'd heard of this particular singer. And I said, yeah, I, I've, I, I've heard of him and, and know about him, in fact. You know, there are a lot of people that are dangerous in their doctrine 
But some way or another, they're able to get a hook in the jaw of people and convince them that they're God's gift to humanity, you know, and that you need to listen to them. I, uh, I can remember years ago and talking about music and, and enjoying certain people singing. And, of course, you know, we, we've all got certain kinds of different genres that we might enjoy and different singers that, that we like. And, uh, you know, if you just took all of the spirituality out of it, why well, I'd say George Jones is the greatest singer there ever was. And, you know, well, I'm back in the day, I was a George Jones fan, you know, and I don't listen to that nowadays, but I, I like the way he sing. Well, uh, years later, I can remember somebody, somebody calling my attention to a fellow by the name of Jimmy Swaggart. And the first time I listened to Jimmy Swaggart, I thought, my land, this guy, this is wonderful. This is amazing. I mean, boy, I mean, you've got to say, the way he sings uh, is really enjoyable. But, but I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing for young Christians to start enjoying somebody's music like that. And the next thing you know, you're listening to their damnable doctrines. And on national TV, anytime someone gets up there and speaks about, quote, what he called the damnable doctrine of eternal security that we Baptists believe in, he said that on national TV, and I'll tell you, that, that, that's nothing but heresy. And it's a dangerous time. Our young people have to go, to the, go to the public schools and sit there and in many instances have their faith challenged. Thank God we've got some young people standing up to them too, by the way. And, uh, and that, that's good. I'm so proud of them to take a stand against this. But for everyone that stands up, and lets it be known that they believe the Bible and they don't believe what the teacher is saying, there are hundreds, uh, you know, that are convinced that the teacher is right. I mean, after all, he's got a doctor's degree and a master's degree and all of this and that. And so, you know, he, he really knows, you know, Dad didn't even graduate from high school. Dad doesn't know it all. And so uh, who am I going to believe? And they put their trust in somebody like that. So one of the dangers of the simple person, whether it's someone that is indeed young and inexperienced or somebody that's a bit older and they're still inexperienced, uh, the danger is there because they're gullible. Secondly, look in chapter 22. Not only are they gullible, but they are uh, unaware of danger. Chapter number 22, verse number 3. A prudent man foreseeth the evil. In other words, he's watching where he steps. He's paying attention. And he hideth himself. So he takes measures to stay safe. But the simple pass on and are punished. Now look in chapter 27 and verse number 12. Chapter 27, and no doubt there are several other verses that we could make reference to, but look here in verse number 12, chapter 27, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You know, there's some things, and you're going to find this out as we go through the book of Proverbs, that there are a lot of things that need to be repeated. And sometimes we wonder to ourselves, well, uh, why is God so repetitious in uh, in the book of Proverbs, well, he knows we're not going to get it the first time. 
And we need to hear it again. And he gives us to it, uh, us again and again and again. Whenever you think about someone that is unaware of danger, uh, that, that's, a, that's a scary thought. That, that's why warning signs are so important. Uh, whether you're out on the highway and it's a stop sign, a yield sign, or whatever it is, it's important. But understand that not all warning signs are man-made. There are different kinds of warning signs in life. Uh, for example, a clap of thunder will tell you something, right? A clap of thunder is going to, you know, tell you that it's raining somewhere. It's going to rain. I mean, the chances are good. Whenever you see the lightning, you know there's a storm approaching. Uh, a chest pains might warn you of an impending heart attack. And you can look at others and you can see someone with a broken and ruined life. And when you do, if you're wise, you, you'll understand that what they're doing leads to heartache and misery and pain. And, and so you, you're warned as a result of that. So the wise person foresees the danger. They, in other words, they pay attention to the warning, whether it's the warning of God's Word or, you know, the warning of the wise counsel of a grandmother or a parent or a Sunday school teacher or whoever it is. You, you know, they listen and they learn and uh, they're safe as a result of it. Uh, a kid will try just about anything. Uh, in, in preaching about spiritual maturity... I've often, you know, spoke about the fact that little children have no sense of value for one thing, right? I mean, you, you can give them a diamond, they'll flush it down the commode. They don't have any sense of value. It's just a shiny little old thing to them. It doesn't mean anything. It'd be worth thousands of dollars. And, but not only that, they don't have this sense of danger that we're talking about. I can remember whenever I was a kid and every older person can, some of the dumb things that, that you did as a kid, you know. Mom used to get on to me all the time. I jumped off everything. Houses, sheds, barns. I, I, you know, I, I, I had to see how high I could go and jump off of it and survive. And uh, she said, that's why you got flat feet, you know, because you jumped off everything in the neighborhood. And, but but I, I didn't have that sense of danger that I, that I needed. And the simple person goes through life without ever considering the consequences of their actions. And, and then when something bad happens, they wonder, oh, wow, I wonder why that happened. Well, you know, if you had been thinking, listening to the warnings, you would have known. So this gives us a brief description of the kind of person that we're talking about. They're inexperienced, but they're gullible enough to believe almost anything, and they don't have any sense of danger. Now, the third thing we need to talk about has to do with the danger, the danger of the simple man. Turn to Proverbs chapter 7, and whenever we get there in our study, we'll look at this verse by verse. Uh, but in this chapter, beginning in verse number 6, and I'm just going to read a few of the verses and then talk about it. Uh, one preacher called this the seduction of Sir Simple. The seduction of Sir Simple. And you'll see the reason for that title in just a little bit because it's the story of a simple young man who is seduced by a wicked woman. Listen to what he says. At the window of my house, I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones 
I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding passing through the street near her corner. And he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Boy, there's so many good things here, the nuggets that we could grab hold of. That's one of the things you ought to teach your kids. Nothing good ever happens after midnight, for one thing. I mean, there needs to be a curfew. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot. (laughs) You'll be glad I don't stay on that one for a while because, you know, the attire of a harlot, you know, and... My advice to, you know, some women is if you don't want to be thought one, you know, don't dress like one. And uh, and notice, in subtle of heart, and she's loud and stubborn. You all don't know how difficult this is to just read this and not... Uh, you read about the virtuous woman. This is the opposite of the virtuous woman. She's loud and stubborn, and her feet abide not in her house. <laughs> Well, wouldn't Paul say something about keepers at home? Well, she's not there. And now, now she is without, now in the streets, and lieth and wait at every corner. She's tracking this kid. She's going from corner to corner. She's tracking him in the night. And so she called him and kissed him. And with an imprudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me this day. I have paid my vows. Therefore come... I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. Wow. I have decked my bed with coverings and tapestry and carved works and with fine linen of Egypt, and I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come and let us take our fill of love until the morning, and let us solace ourselves with love, for the bridegroom is not at home. He's gone for a long journey. Notice verse 21, with her much fair speech, her much, she wouldn't give up, her much fair speech, she caused him to yield with the flattering of her lips. She forced him, and he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver, and as a bird hastens to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Wow, what an illustration this is for those that are in that class of being a simple person. Now, listen, your problem might not be the same as this young man's for it to be a problem. I mean, you know, this is one thing, but... But you can have a problem of a different kind. Danger can come from any direction. And the whole point of the matter is without wisdom, you're in great danger. If we don't have wisdom, we're in danger. And we don't have to learn all of our lessons from experience or in the school of hard knocks. We can avoid a lot of problems and a lot of pain if we'll just simply listen and obey the Word of God. And by the way, the sooner we learn these things, the better. And that's why we put such great emphasis here at Lakeway on reaching and teaching young people because youth is the age of learning. And listen, if we we don't reach them and if we don't teach them while they're young, the chances are very slim that we'll ever be able to reach them later. It's, 
you know, like the Catholics used to say, you know, give us a child until they're six years old and they'll be a Catholic the rest of their life. That, you know, there's a lot of truth to that because they will so brainwash them. I remember working with a fellow who was a Catholic after I got saved and, and uh, I, I began witnessing to him about salvation. And he, his, his answer was, well, you know, I'm, I'm already Christian. I'm a, I'm a Catholic. And so... Uh, while we were away on business trips, the motel at night, well, it gave me a great opportunity to get to sit down and really, really get into it and talk with him. And so uh, we'd get on some particular subject, and I'd say, no, look, this is what the Bible says, for example, about salvation. This is what the Bible says. I'd read it. Let God speak for himself. You don't need to defend the Bible. It can take care of itself. You just turn it loose and let it go. And uh, so... I said, this is what the Bible says, and is that what you believe? No, that's not what I believe. But, but isn't that what the Bible says? Yeah, that's what it says. I mean, it's right there. You're right, but that's not what I believe. I said, look, if what you believe is not what the Bible says, why don't you change what you believe? And here's his answer. It's against our religion to change our religion. What? Wow. And that's what they've got in their head. That's what they're dealing with. And this is why it's so very important that we reach children as early as we can with the Word of God that they can avoid these pitfalls in their life. I mean, I don't want to see my kids or I don't want to see your kids hurt. I don't want to see them do the things that I did and have to learn from experience like I did about a lot of things. So there are a lot of different dangers that threaten us. There are a lot of lessons to be learned. And as we go through Proverbs, God's going to help us with that. And uh, some of the characters that we're going to be studying as we go through here is the fool. Let let me just stop for just a a few minutes here. We're talking about, we're talking about the, the simple man, the simple person. And and understand, it's not a sin to be in that state. That's describing a the, the particular uh, phase that a person's going through. It's like adolescence. You you got to go through it. I mean, you 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 know you've got to. We all start out as as a simple, young and inexperienced person. That's that's the way we all start. There's nothing sinful about. It. Nothing wrong with that. The problem is, is when we stay there beyond the time when we should have matured. That's when we get in danger. No kid needs to ever apologize for being young. You know, sometimes we say to the kid, you know, why don't you act your age? Well, that's what they're doing. Let, let, me, let me give you some advice about a kid that will maybe help you. If it don't help you, it will help them if you sit down and explain it. A kid will do anything they think they can get by with. They'll do anything they think they can get by with. If they think they can get by with it, I mean, uh, they're going to do it. And it's your job to let them know you're not going to get by with it. There's, there's consequences to the choices that you make. So it's not a sin. It's something that we all go through. And even as Christians, we think about, you know, those that are babes in Christ that Paul talked about. Nothing wrong with being a babe in Christ unless you stay a babe in Christ. You know what that leads to? Carnality. That's the message that he had to the church at Corinth. He said, 
you know, he said, you are babes in Christ, and I can't feed you with the strong meat of the Word. I, you know, I have to give you milk because you're a babe. And then he turns around and says, are you not carnal? There's envy and strife and all these things going on. So the problem comes in whenever there is prolonged immaturity in our life. So here, here's the point I'm trying to make. Everybody goes through that, that phase of being a simple person, but eventually, eventually, if you don't become a wise person, you become a fool. I mean, it's one or the other. We either become what the Bible describes as a wise person or a fool. We're going to have one whole message probably next week concerning the fool. Then we're going to talk about the scoffer. Uh, the hothead, the sluggard, the greedy, the liar, the gossip, the proud, the drunkard, uh, the seductress, and, uh, and several of them. However many weeks we've got up until after Memorial Day, those are the, those are the kind of people that, that we're going to be looking at. Um, Dr. Tom Constable made some interesting, if I can even find it here somewhere, I... He made some interesting comments to his uh, seminary students and uh, because a lot of people r- just don't understand the importance of Proverbs. They, they got the idea it's just cute little sayings. And we don't think about it as being deep theology and something really important and really needful. And here's what he said. Proverbs is one of the most timeless Old Testament books. The reader needs very little knowledge of ancient Hebrew life and culture to understand and appreciate it. We can understand the contents fairly easily and apply them directly to modern life. Our problem is not as much understanding as applying the Proverbs. That's the part I really want you to get tonight. Our problem is not going to be so much in understanding what God says, but rather in applying what He says to our life. And if we don't apply it, why, it's not going to be of any benefit to us whatsoever. Now, let me wrap it up by making these comments. The primary fundamental affirmation that we find in Proverbs is this, that God is the source of wisdom. God is the only source of wisdom. He's the source of wisdom. That is the affirmation. And as you go all the way through the book of Proverbs, it deals with us uh, applying this affirmation to our life. And he tells us very clearly at the very beginning that we can recognize the person who does this by one particular thing, and that is what? The fear of God. The fear of God. If we don't have the fear of God, we're not classified as a wise person. So the evidence that you have applied to your life, the affirmation that God has made that He is the source of wisdom, you need wisdom because you don't know how to live without it. And whenever you apply it, the evidence of that is you are a God-fearing person. So 
remember those words here, the application of the affirmation. That's what we're after. Understanding the affirmation is really easy. God has wisdom. You need it. But the application, that gets down where the rubber meets the road, down to the nitty-gritty, and that's where the, you know, the devil does everything he can to stop us from making an application. In, in that particular message that he had for his students, he goes on and he mentions this pertaining to Proverbs. He says it deals with three spheres of life, the home, friendship, and the world. And then he made this statement. He said, in the home, the child must learn wisdom. In friendship, the youth must apply wisdom. In the world, the adult must demonstrate wisdom. So that gives you an idea of what it is that Solomon is trying to do. Not just for his son way back then. That's, that's, that's the mission God is on through this study. That we'll make an application of the affirmation. God has wisdom. You and I don't. We ought to seek it like it's a precious treasure, the Bible says. Uh, We ought to do everything we can to get it, and God's the only one that has it. And whenever we have it, it'll be manifested to others by the fact that we live our lives in the fear of God. Somebody says, well, a lot of misunderstanding about this fear of God business, because I realize that that implies a reverent attitude toward God. I understand that. But a lot of a lot of people, and I've heard preachers again and again, stop right there, and that as though that's all that it meant. Let me tell you, it means more than that. If you have a fear of God in your heart, it means not only that you have a reverence toward God, but you have a sense of impending doom in knowing that you are displeasing God. I mean, some things we ought not to do. Why? Because we fear God. God's not playing games. God means business. And God is interested in what's best for you. I mean, we'd all want what God wants were we as smart as God is. And He's going to help us to get there through this study. And I hope you'll stick with us. And Lord willing, uh, next week we'll, we'll talk about the fool. And uh, hopefully we can, we can all not end up in that category.